Thanks for joining us for the City Church Podcast. More information on City Church is available at www.ourcitychurch.org. City Church, what's happening? This is Justin Kendrick. Um, I hope that uh, that you're doing well. I know that the last couple days have been pretty crazy. I know my house in New Haven is buried in snow. We uh, We spent most of Saturday wrestling with the snow and trying to figure out what to do with it. And uh, Sunday morning, we're not able to hold services this weekend, so I decided to come to you with a short video. Now, here's the idea behind this video. The idea is that we've been talking about greater things the last few weeks, if you've been in church, and you know that we've been challenging people to do greater things for God. And the thing we spoke about last week was the idea that um, that uh, greater things require deeper relationship, right? So it's kind of funny that we were talking about that, and now here we are all stranded in our houses, um, stuck with the same people for the next uh, at least few days or a few hours at least, where we're not able to go out and do our things and live our busy lives. And so I thought this is an incredible opportunity for us to take this time and go deeper in the relationships that are closest to us. And so if you're sitting next to your wife or uh, your husband or your roommate or your college buddy and you're watching this video... This is a pretty cool opportunity for the two of you guys to grab a cup of coffee, stay in your pajamas, and uh, interact with some scripture, and hopefully go deeper. Now, the way that this will work is I'll talk for a few minutes. I want to unpack one scripture in the Bible today, and uh, and then I'm going to uh, make available some questions that I want you to dig into, if you have the availability to do this. Um, They'll be posted on my blog on our website, rcitychurch.org. We'll probably email them out as well. So um, you'll have a few different options as to how you can get these questions. And so you you check out this video, you watch the video, and then you can take some time together just to dig into those questions. So I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12. I'll get there in just a second. But I wanted to set it up uh, with a little story today. When I was in high school, um, one of my very good friends got caught in an illegal counterfeit money ring. Um, This kid from school learned to make $20 bills counterfeit. And he started just passing them out, just started passing out $20 bills at the lunch table, you know, at high school. And so, of course, kids were like, man, 20 bucks, I'll take it. And so everybody started using these $20 bills. And my friend got handed to him a counterfeit $20 bill. And he knew it was fake, but because everybody else was using them and it didn't seem like a big deal, he walked down to the local McDonald's and he tried to buy something with that counterfeit 20. And uh, before he knew it, he was getting handcuffed, put in the back of a cop car and getting charged with a felony. And, uh, learned very quickly that um, counterfeit money is not something you joke around with. That that's a big deal, and it, it has big consequences. And um, what I found is, is that when we get used to counterfeit things, um, it seems to not be as you know uh, detrimental when they're used. And I want to relate that today to relationships, that we live in a culture that has become... Uh, experts at counterfeit relationship, where we say, hey, how are you doing? With no desire to actually know how the person's doing. Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? When you're dying inside, suffering with depression, afraid, anxious, everything else. Oh, I'm doing great too. When their marriage is about to fall apart. Oh, that's wonderful. Way, hey, how are the kids? Kids are awesome, except the kid has some disease. I mean, we just make up this ridiculous story that we both go back and forth with these pleasantries when there's no authenticity. And so, uh, last week we talked about this idea that greater things resire, desire deeper relationships, require deeper relationship, and so we want to unpack that a little bit today, and maybe there's no other better passage in Scripture to unpack that 
then Romans chapter 12. So if you're there, grab your Bible. I'm going to grab mine. And uh, together, right here in our pajamas, I'm in my, my bungalow. This is my secret hideout from all the snow. This is my basement office. So you can see behind me all of my kids' drawings. And then on the other side of me, my guitar. And uh, so this is where I hang out when the snow gets bad. And so um, we're going to dig into Romans chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 9. Okay, so you can follow along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, the, uh, the words will be on the back screen behind me. No, they won't. Okay, so here we go. Romans chapter 12. Uh, Let love be genuine. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give... Uh, thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow, what a passage, huh? I mean, like, talk about power-packed passage. I mean, that is like the manifesto of Christian behavior. I mean, it is just so full of how to deal with human interaction uh, in a godly way. I want to give you today, briefly, nine attributes or characteristics to this new way of doing relationship that Christianity uh, proposes, okay? And we know that it's only by the grace of God that we actually are able to live these relationships. But, uh, but God, through the, the Apostle Paul, gives us a number of different things. You could probably pull more than nine characteristics out of this passage. But I'm going to just do nine today uh, for, the sake of, for the sake of our sanity. And, uh, and I want to look at them briefly, okay? So go back to the scripture, look at these nine characteristics. And I want you to be asking yourself as I do this, which ones come to me naturally? You know, which ones do I just do well and then which ones are definitely not natural for me? Which ones do I not do well? Uh, which ones kind of come, you know, you know, very difficult for me? So uh, let's start in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Genuine. Now that word genuine means undisguised or not counterfeit. So like I just said, counterfeit can very easily, you know, slip into our lives because everybody else is counterfeit. But the scripture starts this part of, the, of his uh, encouragement uh, to the Romans by saying, listen, listen, no, 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 no. We're not going to be counterfeit. I know it's easy to be counterfeit. I know everybody acts counterfeit in their relationships, but let's embrace authenticity in our relationships. So this is the first attribute that he wants to highlight here. Let love be genuine. So that means, you know, it's worth us asking, worth you asking, do I have a genuine love for God? Do I, do I really embody a genuine love. And some people say, oh, I don't feel it. I don't know. Well, I would encourage you to, to realize that uh, authenticity is a choice to be humble, to be introspective, and then to say, I am going to love you. When I feel it, when I don't feel it, 
That's the most authentic love you can find. So let love be genuine authenticity. And then he goes, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So if number one is authenticity, number two is submission to God's truth. Submission to God's truth. See, because he's speaking here saying that we should hate what's evil and cling to what's good. Well, what gets to decide what's evil and what's good? Well, of course, the scripture sets itself up as the guide by the Holy Spirit to show us what's evil and what's good. And so the second thing that he wants to see in true Christian relationships is first authenticity in our love, and then second, a consistent general submission to the scripture and to the truth of God. And so, you know, um, what we believe here at City Church is that the Bible is not just words on a page or a beautiful historical document, but it's actually God's words. So these words are not just, you know, words, but they're God-inspired words, that God wrote a book. And so it's true that the Bible's historically accurate. It's true that the Bible is uh, internally consistent. It's true that the Bible has prophecies that date back hundreds of years and then have become perfectly fulfilled hundreds of years later. It's true that the Bible's the most influential book in the history of the human race. It's true that it's changed more lives and it's brought more people to salvation than any other means, right? It's true that it is absolutely majestically beautiful. From Psalm 23 to Genesis 2 to Revelation, it is a beautiful, beautiful collection of the truths of God. But it's the Holy Spirit deep inside my heart that convicts Justin Kendrick and tells me that these words are the words of God. And I would urge you to follow that conviction of the Holy Spirit and in the areas that you don't like. And that's the critical thing. Abhor what's evil. Well, I may not think it's evil, but the scripture says it's evil. Well, then who gets to decide? Cling to what is good. Well, I don't know if that's good, but the scripture says it's good. So the first part of Christian relationship that's critical is authenticity, right? Authenticity. And the second part that's critical is submission to God's truth. Which one do you struggle with more? Let's keep reading. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Okay, with brotherly affection. The third thing I want to mention, number three, in terms of uh, characteristics, right, of Christian relationship is sibling love, sibling love. Now, what I don't mean by that is that you actually love your, your, your natural brother, although you should do that as well. What I do mean by that is more what Paul said to Timothy when he wrote to the young leader, and he said, treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity, right? In other words, what he was saying is, I want you to think about these other people like they're family. Now, this is the most powerful way to view those of the opposite sex that you may be attracted to, but are not your husband or not your wife, in a pure way. And so, say for example, you're interacting with a female and she's married and you're married and there you have an attraction to her. How do you view her? Well, you view her as a sister. And when you view her as a sister through that lens, it enables you to be pure towards her. So older women as sister, younger women as mothers. And for a, a female, it would be an older man as a father and a younger man as a brother. And so this sibling love should be a characteristic of real Christian community, right? So we've got authenticity, right? That's critical. We've got the submission to God's truth rather than what we think is true. That separates our type of community from any other type of community. And then we've got this idea of sibling love, that we love each other like brothers and sisters, and it purifies and cleanses our motives, right? So he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The fourth characteristic is to have an honor-giving culture, okay? So it's natural for us as humans to want to receive honor, receive honor. But the thing that separates Christian community is that we're not, you know, jockeying for position 
trying to get honor, but instead we're jockeying position trying to give honor. Wow. Wouldn't that be crazy? So seeking to give honor. This is a beautiful characteristic. And it means to honor is to, is to, is to bless someone, not because of what they've done, but simply because of who they are. As a, as a follower of God, as a brother in Christ, I exalt and lift you up. I give you preference because of who you are. Not because you've earned it, but because just that you're a child of God. Just that you're created by God in His image. Honoring another person, right? So verse uh, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another, showing honor. And then he says this in verse 11. This is by far my favorite little nugget in here, but there's a lot of nuggets. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, right? Do not be slothful in zeal. The fifth characteristic I want to mention today. So you've got authenticity. You've got submission to God's truth. Sibling love. Honor-giving culture. The fifth characteristic is zeal ownership, right? So turn to the person that you're with watching this video, and if you're by yourself, just have an awkward moment. But if you're with your wife, your husband, your roommate, turn to him and say, you are responsible for your own zeal. Go ahead. You are responsible for your own zeal. Yeah. So that means that if you don't have a zeal for Christ, it's because you have not been faithful to cultivate it. Now, how do we cultivate zeal? Well, there's a thousand different ways. One of the greatest ways is through prayer and through scripture reading. So I just man, I just lost my zeal. I don't have a passion. Well, when's the last time you were in the Word? Um, 2011. Well, that could be part of the problem. God stirs our zeal by being around other Christians that are passionate. Maybe you should sign up for a community group. Or, you know, by serving, maybe you should sign up for a servant team. Or by studying the scripture, God uses all these different means. So it's critical for you to understand what stirs my zeal and then get around those opportunities, right? Because the scripture teaches that it's actually your job, right? So it says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, okay? So it's your job. Zeal ownership is number five. Number six, uh, we see it right here at the end of this verse. Serve the Lord. Number six is working for God, working for God. See, this changes the dynamic of our lives. When Christians live our lives working for God rather than for self or rather than for a company in our hearts at the core, if I'm a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever I am, at the core I'm working for God, not for man. Okay, And so A.W. Tozer said it like this, It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. Right. So number six, working for God. That separates our culture from any other culture. Let's keep going. Verse 12, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Now we can pick those three apart because that's a whole sermon right there, but I'm just going to wrap that up in number seven. Okay, Seventh characteristic of this Christian culture, this community, is an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective in the way that we live. Okay, So we, we rejoice in hope, things we don't even have yet. We're rejoicing that Christ is going to come back, but he hasn't come back yet. But we rejoice in this, right? Well, we're patient in tribulation. Why? Because we know this isn't the end. It's an eternal perspective. And then we're constant in prayer. Some people would say, Justin, you're sitting on your knees doing nothing. No, actually, I'm changing history because I have an eternal perspective. And that separates our community, our people, from other people in the world because we believe these things. We have an eternal perspective, right? Verse 13. Doing okay? All right. Verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The seventh characteristic, a generous lifestyle. 
a generous lifestyle. And we just talked about this a lot at City Church. You can go back, review the podcast if you'd like. But a generous lifestyle is a critical attribute of a Christian community. A generous lifestyle. It's incredible. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And this, when there's a snowstorm, is the perfect time to live this. Because you have a neighbor who needs some milk. You've got an elderly neighbor who needs to help get dug out. You can push their car. You can just walk around your neighborhood and find incredible opportunities to express this characteristic. Okay, and I urge you to do that and get involved in that right away. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up verses uh, 13 or really 14 through 20 in in one last characteristic. That's the ninth characteristic. So eternal perspective is number seven. Number eight, a generous lifestyle. And then number nine, um, let's read verses 14 through 20. And I'll sum these up with these words, a countercultural love, a countercultural love. Now you could pick these apart, but we're just going to lump them together for this morning. A countercultural love. Let's read about this countercultural love that the Bible describes. Bless those who persecute you. That's not normal. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. See, a lot of times when other people rejoice, if you don't personally experience the benefits, you're like, ah, well, you maybe become jealous rather than rejoicing, but not in this community. In a Christian community, you don't do that. Instead, you celebrate with those that are rejoicing and you weep with those who weep. So you connect with their soul to such an extent that you're willing to weep with them. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. That's not normal. That's a countercultural love, right? And then it says, uh, never be wise in your own sight. That's strange. Countercultural love. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. So, in other words, saying, don't, you know, don't feel like you've got to take revenge. God will deal with people that are unjust. That is crazy. That's a countercultural love. But then it says, uh, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. Crazy. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. In other words, you'll convict him because you're showing a love that doesn't make any sense. It's countercultural, and it's the love of Christ. And then he finishes with this crazy verse in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Apostle Paul was writing this, and I believe that by the Spirit of God, he was seeing this reality, that this type of community has the potential to actually extinguish evil on earth. That when you and I live this way, it pushes back the gates of hell and propels heaven onto earth. Wow. Our relationships hold the potential to disarm the evil of sin that saturates our world. That's a crazy idea. So today, I want to urge you, love your neighbor. You're all buried in snow. You don't get to come to church. We don't get to rejoice together. But I want to urge you to love your neighbor. And that means the person that you live with. That means the person that lives right next to you. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I want to encourage you to do it genuinely, authentically. Right? I remember when I was just coming to Jesus, they had these tracks. If you don't know what a tract is, it's like a little thing that tells you about Jesus. You know. And I remember one of the tracks was a $20 bill. $20 bill. But as soon as you open it up, it said, Disappointed? Well, you wouldn't be if you let Jesus into your life. Now, of all the tracks that were ever invented, that is my personal least favorite. I mean, how lame is that, that I thought I had a 20? No, you don't. We should just give him a 20 if you're going to be genuine. But instead, Christianity has far too often embraced this counterfeit. And I want to urge you, let's get back to the authentic. 
Let's get back to the authentic. And those nine characteristics that I just gave you today from Romans chapter 12 are a start for us to jumpstart this. Now, we talked about this idea last week that greater things require deeper relationships. And so I wanted to take a little chance here to dig in to those deeper relationships together. So um, a couple things. On the blog, on ourcitychurch.org, it says Justin's blog, just pop on there and look at the questions that are going to be listed on there. And uh, those will jumpstart some conversation between you and those that you live with. Or you can just answer those between you and God. And it will still edify and strengthen your soul. Okay, Um, so that's one thing I wanted to cover. You know, just last night, me and my wife, in the midst of this thunderstorm, we had these beautiful plans. I had planned this great date night and going out. And that didn't happen because of the storm. But instead, we just dug into uh, 1 Peter. And we just read it together and uh, meditated on it. And it was so life-giving. It was beautiful. It was great. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Sometimes we get so busy with life that we don't do these deeper relationships. And we hear sermons, we say, that's great, but then we don't actually apply it. Well, you're not too busy today, right? Because you can't leave. So um, so dig in, go deeper, uh, benefit from this, all right? Benefit from this truth that God is unpacking for us as a community, okay? Uh, a couple of things I wanted to tell you. Um, if you want to give... We have some incredibly faithful givers. We encourage you to give. Just go to ourcitychurch.org and click on give. Okay? It'll walk you through all the details. You can give that way um, today if you'd like. So ourcitychurch.org, click on give if you want to give financially. All right? Next week, this is important, next week we are at Toad's Place. There's a, an issue with the um, location, Co-op High School, that one week that we're not able to rent the school. So we'll be over at Toad's Place, 300 York Street, same time, 9.30 and 11.15, two services, uh, York Street, Toad's Place. We'll see you all then. Okay? Let's uh, Let's pray. And then go ahead and jump into some of those conversations um, that will be inspired through the questions that we just put out. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, uh, God, for grace. And thank you that uh, you're keeping us safe. And thank you for this chance, even in the midst of a, of a snowstorm, to turn this thing around and make something that's inconvenient actually really substantive and life-changing. God, challenge us today through Romans chapter 12. Speak to us through these discussion questions. And God, I pray that marriages would be strengthened, that families would have fun in you today, having church in their living room, that roommates at college or roommates that are just living together would actually have a chance to dig into Scripture together. God, challenge each of us today in our own unique way. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged by this City Church podcast. Visit City Church at www.ourcitychurch.org.